Hello, everyone, and welcome to High Performance Pathways, sponsored by the Notecast app. I'm your host, Court Whitman, and if you enjoy this podcast, consider exploring a bit more about me at courtwhitman.com. For all new listeners out there, High Performance Pathways is a purpose-built and specially selected collection of someone's experience as they discuss how they understand, discover, and chase high performance in their life. This content is collected during a one-on-one intimate interview and then shared with you. Why? Because I believe everyone has a different path to high performance. And hearing about the path that other professionals have journeyed along is informative and it's inspiring. So during each episode of High Performance Pathways, it's my intent as your host to do five things for you, the listener number one. I'm going to connect. Connect you to someone else to build out your professional relationships. Number two, I'm going to question so we can understand. Number three, I'm going to share to raise perspective. Number four, I'm going to teach and I hope to increase competence. And number five, I'm going to inspire. Inspire to trigger your growth as a listener and a participant in this conversation. One additional note to cover as you continue listening. This podcast, everybody, is raw. Meaning, hey, no post-production editing here on our behalf. We record live and deliver it directly to you as it was recorded. All right, now let's get into my incredible guest today. I'm super excited because it's a friend of mine. It's a colleague. It's someone that walks a very similar life as I do in this coaching world. And my guest today is the incredible woman, Maura Fredericks. Let me tell you a little bit more about Maura as I go through her bio. Number one, Maura is the founder of Maura Fredericks LLC, an executive coaching firm. Maura works with senior executives, co-founders, and family businesses to do the following things. Number one, navigate critical relationships across the business. Number two, Maura works to increase the consistency of collaborative conversations about what is most important. And number three, Moore works to ensure that people feel heard in order to maximize organizational impact. A few other things. Mora helps her co-founder clients remember, number one, why they decided to become partners in the first place. She helps family businesses have the difficult conversations that seem impossible. She spends a lot of time with her clients preparing them to exit their business and to plan for a life after the sale of their business. In Moore's words, and I'm quoting here, she likes to say this is her fifth and final career, right? Having settled into what she calls a sweet spot in this executive coaching space and this space of organizational development as a consultant after more than 25 years of work on her own in a variety of management positions in the industries of hospitality, data, medical, and legal. Some of the organizations that Moore has worked for include Weston Hotels, LabCorp, Carfax, Mantech International, and Inspirity. Moore has a Master's of Arts in Organizational Development from the George Washington University, a paralegal certificate from the Georgetown University, and a bachelor's degree in business administration from JMU, James Madison University. And also, like us coaches do, a number of certifications and training that include highlights for her in positive psychology, narrative coaching, and Mora is an extended DISC certified facilitator. Now, that's her incredible bio. A little bit more for me to share on Mora because she is someone that I've worked with in the past. And so let me just paint that picture for you. I'd say about three years ago when I was working uh, in my first job as a coach with Teamworks Innovations in Durham, North Carolina, uh, I had an incredible coach, and her name was Allison, and a lot of you folks that have stayed with this show know that I've introduced Allison and the work she's done for me in the past, and we all have friends and relationships move the world around, and so when I was considering what I could do uh, at a deeper level for the men and women of Teamworks, especially around kind of communication and behavior in her office, Allison said, hey, I got a friend, and that friend is Mora, and I was introduced to Mora, and we brought Mora in, and she did some one-on-one Um, DISC assessments with our sales, marketing, and executive uh, team to include the ownership group. And then she came on site and facilitated some workshops for us. And and I want to comment here, that wasn't because there was something within our organization that we assessed to be an area of underperformance. In, In my opinion and how I was structuring that program we had, we wanted to do things better. 
And therefore, we reached out to some professionals in the space, and I had a chance to really see Mora in action. Um, and really, that's just extended to uh, a friendship. Um, Mora, you know, just in this moment, I want to thank you for the mentorship that you've done for me as a coach. Um, and just for the professional conversations uh, as a friend and colleague uh, that has really brought us to today. So thank you so much for being here. We welcome you to the show. Um, it's purpose-built. We do it for a reason, right? I believe you've got some incredible perspective that makes a difference in the lives here of the listeners, and we're interested to hear it. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Court, for the invitation. I'm glad to be here after a, a long line of uh, fabulous professionals that have joined you on your show. So happy to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um, I would love to just get rolling here together in this conversation to, you know, um, give a little bit of insight, I think, to the listeners we settle in together, um, to your journey, right, which is incredible, and I just went through it uh, to a certain extent, and, and I see this kind of start, uh, and start might be the wrong word, but certainly experience uh, in services of paralegal, and consultant sure. that then, you know, matures to owner and operator of your own executive coaching business. And so what I would love to just hear from you in your own words is, hey, hey kind of what, what triggered this pivot into this space of entrepreneur, owner, and executive coach? Well, I do like to say it's my fifth and final career. Started many years ago as a assistant director of housekeeping for Weston Hotels and never, ever, ever thought I would be doing the work that I'm doing now. After the hotel industry shifted into medical sales and then a data job at, at uh, 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 Carfax, um, after paralegal seven years, got the itch and decided to explore something a little different. And I, I got a career coach and decided what's next. That was in my 40s. And in the D.C. area, as a career uh, explorer trying something new, you kind of have to get some help. And with my career coach, I started thinking about what's next. And in this area, you don't start all over without going back to school. So with the help of my career coach, at the time as a paralegal, I was doing some work uh, for a nonprofit. And wasn't sure what I was doing at that time. It wasn't exactly paralegal work, but I was causing some transformation in the organization that I was working for. And all of that work with the career coach about four months led me back to school at George Washington in a program that led me to organizational development. So a two-year program in that discipline of organizational development, one course, executive coaching, changed everything for me. So before the ink on my diploma of my master's degree was dry, I said to my husband, heading back to school. And he said, please make me dinner first. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I immediately enrolled in a coach training program and started all over again, exploring this thing called executive coaching, but did become a organizational development consultant and did some good work there. And through the, the coach training program and the organizational development work, found that there was just a lot of good work working with executives. And that led me to my job at Insperity and was just fell in love with the concept of small businesses, leadership development, and executive coaching. And so through the journey of becoming a credentialed coach through the International uh, Coaching Federation, decided that the job uh, required some attention to a business and left Insperity, a really fun, uh, exciting environment, rowdy, uh, lots, of, lots of work. And then next thing I found, I was at my dining room table with my dog starting this entrepreneurship journey and 10 years ago, haven't looked back. So it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a challenge, but a, a, a fun ride and uh, can't imagine doing anything else forever. <laughs> I love it. Th thank you so much for uh, just walking through that reflection. And if I could, I just want to share a few things that resonated with me um, as I listened to your journey, because there's portions of it that are very different than mine. 
but some that seems to hit home and be the same. And, and the first thing is, is this idea that I'm in my 40s and I'm still trying to figure out what the heck I want to do when I grow up. Now, I don't know. Those weren't your words, right? But I'm hearing that a little bit and I'm also projecting a bit of my journey, right? Wrapping up a, a, a multi-decade year career in the military, which is really all I know other than being a cook at Hardy's in uh, high school. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a true story. Um, and we probably have a, a whole podcast to fill up of that incredible stuff, but uh, we won't go there. Um, you know, but really, and I feel like in my heart, I still struggle with this question every day. I mean, a lot of the work that I do as a coach is focusing on helping folks through their transition experiences. And in some cases, that's just a decision that needs to be made. In some cases, it's very tactical and it's a change in a career. And I kind of get a chuckle because sometimes I end up sharing a perspective with someone I'm serving and say, hey, join the club. I'm still there with you. And for me, um, there's some acceptance around that has been helpful. So just wanted to share that because it resonated deeply within me as you kind of looked at this point in your life and decided to maybe step into something brand new. Um, I do have a question in here, though, because I just have a curiosity because, uh, I mean, I see the words like organizational development uh, you know, maybe it's a job title. Certainly, it's something you can study. But, you know, if you wouldn't mind commenting on, you know, in your own words, why does someone start a program like that? What's, the, what's kind of the, the, the return on the investment more for you? Because I got a lot of folks that are considering that. Like, do I go invest two years in something like this? So, that's kind of the first part of the question. The second part of the question is, Contrast that with just going to get a coaching certification, possibly. You know, if you had mm -hmm. to do it over again, do you repeat and go through the same path? Or do you maybe say, hey, you know, maybe I do something a little bit differently. So would you mind just educating me and the listener a little bit about what it, what it looks like to get a degree in organizational development? And then maybe how that helps set the conditions to do the coaching work that you do. Any, any comments sure, I you could share on that? Great question. For me, the I would totally do the same thing all over again, number one. The okay. organizational development master's for me made sense because I was, at that point in my career, I really was trying to make use of everything I had done up to that point in order to pivot quickly from the, the not only just the, the paralegal work, but everything else I had done up to that point. The, the hospitality work, the sales, the management, and then as a paralegal working for a law firm, uh, a, a corporate, and then the nonprofit, I wanted to combine all of that experience to be able to very quickly pivot into whatever that next thing was. So organizational development is going, going back to school to synthesize all of that experience and organizational organizational development specifically is learning to navigate the, the C-suite, the leadership with the mm. groups, the teams, and an individual within an organization. So you're going in to diagnose and help organizations solve problems um, and, and build leadership capabilities so that it was kind of tying everything together. Mm. The coaching for my particular program at GW, the coaching was just one course over that two-year program. And so um, going to do a program specifically just for coaching without that OD, um, for me, I didn't even know coaching was a part of the program when I st started, actually. It, it wasn't like coaching was a focus. It just happened to be one, one course in the program. Um, so if you want to just be a coach, there are certain programs that could do that that aren't within a, a master's program. Uh, for me and what I was looking to do, it just made sense to start with the master's and kind of coaching was just a bonus for me. Mm. So, and, the, and then the work that I got um, as an OD specialist, the coaching kind of just became more of a component for that. And, and that really... Um, my work today, actually, some of my work, the coaching work comes because the OD work comes first. Mm -hmm. And some of my coaching work happens because the coaching comes first. And because I have the OD uh, experience, I'm able to 
provide more value to my coaching clients because I'm able to go into an organization and, and bring that OD expertise. So if for me, it works that they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. And which kind of leads me to this other question. And that is, you know, is that OD masters in your opinion, marketable? Right? Like as a standalone, like is, is there a way as a consultant, you feel that like that's very helpful compared to not having it? Absolutely. I guess it just depends on what kind of work do you want to do. So mm -hmm. organizational development work is 100% marketable. Absolutely. You can go into uh, a lot of different kinds of organizations and do that kind of work, or you can do it as a standalone. So for example, Insperity, which is a preferred employer organization, a large organization that supplies leadership development, HR, compensation type services to small businesses that can't afford those standalone um, services, you, you, there's all kinds of work to do around there with an OD. Uh, I was doing leadership development, for example. Sure. Um, or you, you could certainly hang your own shingle. Um, so there's all kinds of work to do as an organizational development consultant, for sure, without the coaching. Yeah, really helpful for me, and I think incredibly helpful for my listening base because a lot of folks are, are coming out of uh, an extensive career like myself and a lot of them in federal government work and in some cases are scratching their head and saying, you know, I really love leadership. I really love, you know, mm -hmm. helping organizations thrive and solve problems. And, and I think some of them struggle with, but I do assess maybe a gap in a skill set. So maybe if you're listening, an answer could be one, reach out and connect with Maura, ask about her experience Two, maybe uh, degree in organizational development is exactly what you're needing in this moment to invest some time in so you can then transition and use all those skills that you've had to date in this managerial and this leadership domain throughout your career uh, to really allow your passions uh, to align with, with the skill. So thanks for sharing that. Um, just one more thing that I want to take advantage of since you introduced the word International Coaching Federation. Could you make some meaning behind that a little bit as it applies to this industries of, of executive coaching? How, how do they fit in and how do they serve the coaching community in your own words? Right. So the International Coaching Federation recently renamed International Coaching Federation. Uh, for years, it was the International Coach Federation is the governing regulating body for coaches. You do not as a coach, you do not have to join the International Coaching Federation, nor do you, as a coach, do you need to be a credentialed coach. Uh, in my opinion, I like to have that formal structure. I like to be associated with a regulating body. Uh, so for me, that, that works out really well. Um, and uh, lots of people who, especially the federal government and large organizations, like to uh, have the um, structure and the guidelines associated with a credentialed coach. Uh, there are lots and lots and lots of really great coaches out there that um, have gone through a coach training program but not have formally associated themselves with the regulating body. Um, but for me, I, I like that. So International Coach Federation, they are the, the credential holders or the credential um, bestowers of the ACC, the PCC, the MCC, which are the markers for progression in the, um, uh, in the, uh, what do you call it? The, like the, I don't even know what this, the, the ACC, PCC, MCC are the markers for progression in terms of um, hours and um, uh, credentials as recognized in the coaching world. Yeah. Hopefully I'm explaining that right. Yeah. No, uh, very helpful, I think. And so I think if anyone's listening and, and they're, they've tuned into this episode because they have saw, hey, look, here's a successful woman who's done some incredible things and made a pivot late and now owns and operates her own, own business as an executive coach, a great start point would probably is going to the ICF website and just kind yeah. of exploring what content's there because there's a lot there. Um, coachfederation.org yeah there you go bam check it out all right <laughs> cool um continuing here 
Um, what I, you know, I mean, let's be honest, let's call out where we're at. I mean, this show is being recorded and delivered to you uh, in the month of April 2020. And, you know, th there's a virus that has just wrecked shop across the world. Um, I can tell you my inbox, my LinkedIn, some of my social media has had a lot to say about how do we deal with this disruptive environment. And there's a lot of coaches, I think, that have a lot to say about how, you know, to solve for this um, and are, are particularly offering their services to help people as a collaborator in some of these moments. Um, and so, Maura, I'm just, you know, super curious if you would consider commenting on this from your perspective and what you've seen there in D.C. in the hub of, of this nation's direction. Um, given recent world events and this uncertainty, you know, what would you be interested in sharing to the audience right now about how coaching can support people right now? I would love to. I think what I'm finding right now, and as I'm talking to my coach colleagues, as well as my clients, that one of the most, if not critical competencies of, of coaching is listening. And I'm finding that, that that is the thing that we're, as coaches, we're being most called on right now is just listening. Listening is, is quite healing. And while coaching can be used to help clients solve problems, it's too soon for that right now. So I think just what I'm finding is, is being useful for my clients right now is just picking up the phone and just having that conversation that's, that's just very uh, full of care and just saying, how are you? And what do you need right now? Um, being together with the clients just to hold the space. So there's a lot of uncertainty and fear. And some things that are useful right now is just to work with the clients, just to explore some things right now, just in a very quiet, um, just, a, just a quiet space. Clients are, are, and people in general, are just kind of working through right now worst case scenarios and just just letting them talk. And I think in the next couple of weeks, it's going to be a good way coaching can offer uh, balancing worst case with a little bit of exploration about what some possibilities are. I work with a lot of business owners. And so right now it's getting them, what I'm preparing to do is getting them to balance a little bit of that worst case with some what ifs. Preparing when we all go back to work, I think we're going to be all going back to work with with a difference in who we are as people, as well as what business is going to be like, which is going to be different. So right now it's a space of listening, but also preparing our clients and ourselves to start thinking about generating options, being in action, um, connecting and collaborating in a different way. So being present, uh, naming emotions, um, connecting and being curious are all things that coaching can offer everybody right now. Awesome. Um, well said. Uh, I can certainly agree. Um, and, and I think it probably is a good time. I, I, I'd have to say that I don't know that um, I'm engaged in anyone specifically, and probably that's likely because of my targeted client base with some of these conversations, but I do see a lot of it going on. So, hey, um, question that I have that I'd love to follow up given this is so I'm listening right now to this podcast and I'm like okay um, never had a coach before um, but I think it might be the right time you know given what we just talked about and just given this exposure that the listeners getting um, you know trying to land on a question here that I think I can ask in the right way um, but would you consider maybe just sharing if I'm considering for the first time, partnering with a coach, you know, how, how do I do that well, right? Like, how do I, how do I work through some decision-making criteria on this is the coach for me or, yes, coaching is right for me to give it a shot? Because what I'm blown away by is I'd say 95% of my client-based are first-time folks involved in a coaching, coachy relationship. Now, mm -hmm. I, I just, I've been doing it a little bit, so I got some repeat offenders. Thank God. Maybe that means I helped them out a little <laughs> bit. But, um, you know, there's so many people, I think, that are still, it's brand new to them. When they hear coaching, 
they think in sport coaching right away. They're not thinking of this space. So would you be able to share at all um, just some thoughts around on considering coaching? Um, how do I make a good decision on, on finding the right coach for me? Sure. I, I've been there as well. My first coach when I was in transition looking to figure out what my next move was going to be, and I've also hired coaches along the way for different reasons at different parts of my life. So I'm coming from my answer is going to be based on what I needed at my time. So at different points in your life, you might need a different kind of coach for different things. So the first consideration when you're thinking about coaching is, while we might not always know um, exactly what we need, we have a good idea of the reason that we Oftentimes, the reason we need a coach is that we know something, we want something to be different. So that's a good place to start, is that we know something needs to be different. And so some considerations could, could be, um, what area of our life do we want to be different? So when I first was looking for a coach, I knew something in my career needed to be different. So that led me down the path of, I probably need to explore a coach that has some experience in helping people find jobs. Mm-hmm. That would be a career coach. Um, when I got further on in my career and needed to um, find a coach that was going to help me build my skills, then I was looking for uh, an, an executive coach. So mm-hmm. finding a coach is, do you have some area of, uh, are you aware of what areas in your life you need a coach? Then kind of narrow in on what kind of coach you might need. Another thing to consider is, um, at least a criteria for me is, um, do I feel comfortable with a uh, female coach or a male coach? Does that even matter? For some people, mm-hmm. it does. Another coach would be, do I like to be coaching with someone in person or does it matter? Would I like to coach someone remote over the phone or over Skype or do I like to be coaching in person? That's another consideration for a coach. Uh, another consideration would be um, the investment. Uh, more experienced coaches tend to be uh, a place a higher uh, value on the investment where someone who is just starting out would probably um, uh, not charge as much. And so someone in a coaching school getting their degree could be a very, very, very good coach, uh, but you could probably uh, not have to spend as much money for them and still get very good coaching. So those are some considerations. Uh, I always got my coach through a referral, somebody who had used that coach before. That's another important consideration. So where do you find coaches? You can always ask somebody. You can go to a coaching school and ask for a roster. There's so many considerations. The reason you find a coach or the reason that you decide that coaching is good for you is that you're at the point where you know that you want to be something, you know you want something to be different, and you're ready to be in action. You're Mm -hmm. ready to take action. If you're not sure that you want to do the work, you're probably not ready for a coach. Love it. Very helpful. Thanks for sharing it. Um, you know, I, I did not realize or ever consider some of the things you've mentioned here. So if you're, if you're listening, you're considering a coach, you want to give this a test drive, uh, give it a shot, right? You have a desire to perform at a higher level because let me be clear, uh, you know, in my work, I'm not, uh, I'm not so interested in someone saying, hey, we got this problem, child. Court, come fix her, right? I mean, you know, I think they're probably needing something different. Um, and and a, a wonderful mentor told me, her name was Mora at one point, when clients are coming to you with that sort of an inquiry, you may want to be real curious, hey, how's the manager doing that's responsible for this person? Because it's probably a managerial <laughs> problem that needs to be solved, right? The old veteran there helping me get straight. There's probably a managerial problem, Court, that, that you might want to be coaching the manager to help them perform at a high level, given the struggle or the problem set. And so, you know, just an opportunity here to marinate for a moment that I, I, I don't know if more would agree, but, but some of my answer would include, if you're looking to take your game to a higher level, and Moore's words to be, be a person in action in some way, and you have the conviction and the desire to do this with someone else, the co-collaborator, that shows up with incredible competency in this space, and oh, by the way, no context into your life, which sometimes is really helpful because it's unbiased, 
then coaching might be right for you. And then uh, again, LinkedIn's powerful. Morris said, go, go ask a coaching school that, that credits and graduates folks for their list of alumni. That might be another great place to start if you're kind of in the dark. Um, I'm just going to say, hey, connect with Maura. Ask her, you know, <laughs> c- connect with me, right? Because we all know coaches. Exactly. We, we, this exactly. is the water we swim in. So we could do those referrals for you. All right. Um, just a few other questions to kind of stay on this, uh, on this line of effort for a moment if I could. And, and you can answer these in either order that you'd like even if you want to, but I would love for you to comment on what do you love about coaching, Maura, right? And what does your ideal client look like? Like, where have you really settled into? Because I covered a little bit in your bio, but I'd love to hear it in your words if you wouldn't mind sharing with us. Right. So what do I love about coaching? Everything, everything. (laughs) Um, My business has changed quite a bit from when I first started, I coached a much different kind of person than I'm coaching now. So I'll save you all the details about that. But my my current, what gets me out of bed today is what I coach now are the relationship dynamics in business partnerships. So when two people work so hard to come together and build a business, and then they're at a point now where they have to be reminded why they are in business together. That's what I love. So some people call that conflict coaching. Some people call that, um, you know, uh, you know, the shit start, shit starting to hit the fan kind of stuff. All that stuff that some people really don't like to deal with that I love. I love reminding people why they decided to choose the person that they're building a business with. I just am so convinced that this doesn't have to be that way. Let's, let's go back to basics. That also could be before people are deciding to, to come together, helping them get on the, set out on the right foot. So family businesses as well, that kind of having those difficult conversations, anything around um, two people, three people, four people in a business, and they're having converse or not having conversations, avoiding things, all that, all that relationship stuff. That's what I love. But it took me 10 years to get there. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just witnessing so many things in businesses where people aren't feeling heard. People aren't saying things that they feel that they can't say. Um, I just witnessed so many situations where you're going to work, you're working so hard, and then all of a sudden things aren't as fun as they could be, it just breaks my heart to see that. So that's what I am doing. And the reason that I love that kind of work is because I'm just convinced there's, there can be a a different way and being boxed into a corner and not seeing options is just no fun. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Uh, Insightful. Um, Even for me, uh, after all these years to really hear uh, what's getting you out of bed each morning and the work that you're doing. So thanks for sharing it. And if someone's listening, and if that seems like a problem you'd help solving, then uh, Maura is your girl. Uh, selfishly, um, I'd like to pivot a little bit here in this conversation um, to uh, high performance uh, more specifically. Not that we haven't kind of talked about it to date um, in the conversation, but you know, a lot of people do tune into this show to hear a perspective from someone who's who's been you know, incredibly successful. Um, and I think that you have and just kind of walking this journey called adult professional life um, and all mm-hmm. the nooks and crannies that, that, that your experiences has kind of took you through. So what I would love for you to consider uh, sharing with us in this moment is this word high performance, right? It's, it's one I use a lot. Heck, it's the title to the show. Um, could you maybe share with us what those words mean to you? Um, mm-hmm. High performance, uh, more thoughts. Yes. So high performance. So high performer, high performance. I'm just going to throw it out. High performance, a principled uh, core belief, consistency, and trusted guidance. So if I'm just going to throw those words out, 
high performance, uh, you have to be guided by something that you firmly believe in. You're consistently executing on that and that you are um, open-minded and guided by, um, I, I guess, you're open to not feedback because then you're correcting something that you've already done, but you're open to um, possibilities that there's, that there's another way to do something. Um, I'd, I'd leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So perspective from a high performer here, uh, incredible person that's helping a lot of folks out in her work as a coach. High performance for Mora includes really three domains, three tenets maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. And those are, uh, you got to have a principal core belief. Uh, you got to be consistent as you follow that. And you have to have some openness to as you follow that, as you execute said performance, that there may be uh, a pivot, a change that will you didn't consider until it hits you. Did I do a good job? Is that close? Excellent. Excellent. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's the luxury of hearing it first, right? <laughs> I get to hear it first, and then I get to uh, to brief it back there. So cool. Thanks. Um, the other thing that I think a lot of folks are thirsty for when they check into this show is, okay, I can get behind that definition. Um, how the heck are you doing it in your own life, right? And I think the way that manifests for me is there's things that I do habitually, there's, there, there's, there's just yeah. part of how I execute either my day, my week, my month, my year. Heck, I don't know. But uh, for you, right, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. are there any habits that you kind of intentionally do to allow you to perform at the levels that you want to? Yeah, so on my paper here, I was taking some notes and preparing, and I, I wrote down four um, in no particular order. Initiative. Uh, learn, love to learn, uh, huge sense of curiosity. And I think the one that really ha- has taken me to where I am is I build community. So um, I'm, I'm, I build community in my personal life and I build community in my professional life. So uh, I can say a little bit about each of those if you'd like, but I'll just leave it there and let you, let you take it from there. Yeah, no, absolutely, please. Uh, and I'm very interested in this idea of building community because for me, I think it sounds a little bit like networking, but in a much um, much better word choice. And I think that's important because I would tell you that networking is an important piece of what I encourage and help people to work through because like I mentioned earlier, the federal government in a lot of cases as I work as a soldier, as an airman, a Marine, a sailor, you know, it's kind of like... It, doesn't really need to happen to move through the professional wickets uh, as you as you move through rank, move through years. And then for some reason, it actually takes on a negative connotation within that space. Like networking, it's almost like, and I've been exposed to the way I like to say it, it's just how you learn. And, and I've, I've learned that people actually appreciate being participatory to help somebody learn from a networking place. So, um, you know, Again, that's me kind of going a little bit long-winded on one of the things, one of the habits that you've had as part of your life when you talk about building community, and I may be very inaccurate in my characterization. So I would love for you to kind of talk a little bit more about these four things, these four habits. Please continue. Sure. So initiative is, um, I think, just making things happen, not letting things happen, making things happen for myself. That goes into learning. Um, One of the reasons I say this is my fifth and final career is because I'm a quick learner. And uh, when I got bored, I, rather than going back to school five times, I would just pivot and try something new. You know, I was in the hospitality industry. Um, I, you know, was promoted very quickly, got a, got a nice job. And then I said, well, you know, I'm looking around uh, sales. That seems kind of interesting, but I'm deathly afraid of it. I could probably never do it. Well, then I got a job in sales. And I said, well, if it doesn't work out, I can always go back to the hospitality. And I spent six years in medical sales selling not a product, but a service, which is really hard to do. And, you know, then I was like, okay, well, I mastered this. Let me try something else and went into the automotive industry, which I knew nothing about. So the love, the love of learning has, is just a hallmark of, of 
my interest um, and has served me well. Mm. Ties into the curiosity. Uh, if you tell me I can't do it, I'm probably going to tell you, yes, I can and figure a way to do it. <laughs> the building community, <laughs> the building community is, it's a little, it is a networking, but I'd say it's networking plus. So it's, it's definitely, you know, meeting new people, but it's finding certain people within the network that I can draw close. So I yeah. can, um, you know, no problem walking into a room where I don't know anybody, but then it's finding who in that room can I really serve who can also serve me, but then making something magic happen with them. So maybe it's, you know, drawing people into a learning group and digging deep into uh, or deeper or making a deeper dive into a subject that we're all really interested in and finding ways to make that come alive, introducing, being a connector, introducing people that might not really know each other and finding a way to uh, um, connect them in ways that are enriching to them where maybe that really doesn't benefit me, but just being able to, 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 um, bring a topic that desperate people may not even know that they might have an interest in, in, in making that come alive. So um, building the community is, I would call it networking plus plus. Hey, I think I'm back with you, Maura. Uh, I heard you close out your networking plus plus, and then I think uh, yeah. I dropped on my end. So what what a great little bit of patience there the listeners have for <laughs> waiting for me to rejoin <laughs> you. Um, but I, I just wanted to comment on, I think that that's uh, well said. And, and one other thing would be, um, do you feel like you can do that with with everyone you come across? Or is it kind of like, well, you no. know, Okay, because no. yeah, really quick to answer on that one. So perfect, beautiful, um, and that's helpful because I do have a lot of people that that have not networked, and they're trying to figure out how do I do it well. And there's a perspective I can share on that, um, but really, kind of getting people to to build community sometimes is challenging because of this. In my experience, I feel like I'm just asking for something, but I don't know what I can give. You know, so, I mean, was there a time in which you just, hey, you know, it's, I, I know this is going to be some sort of a relationship where it's a two-way street, um, you know, or, or maybe, you know, people just need to drive through that fear, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that I have a question here at all, to be quite honest. I think I'm just sharing some thoughts. Well, um, yeah. Go ahead. Well, Do you have we, something? Well, here's what I yeah, well, here's what I can say. This building a community, it's not like I was able to do this right out of the gate. You know, so I've been doing this for mm -hmm. a long time. And I think, you know, some of these communities that I'm building, it, you know, it, it took me a while to get comfortable to even put myself out there. Some of these communities I've built because I felt like I wasn't comfortable in a situation. And I knew that in order to get comfortable, I couldn't wait for someone to approach me. I had to be the first one to put myself out there. And it, it, it took me a while to do that. So I'm not saying it's easy, uh, but I'm in it. And I'm not saying that it, it was something that I'm all that natural at doing. Sure. So I, I would say it, it's definitely a muscle to build. But once you're a, once I'm able to get comfortable doing it, the rewards far outweigh the, the, the fear and the pain of doing it. Yeah. And encouraging, I think, as you've built that a little bit more, saying, hey, Court, it took time. Uh, I had to step into it to do it well. And then, you know, you didn't say this, but what I'm thinking is maybe it's just kind of the journey of building community where you begin to figure out, hey, this is kind of where I'm helpful. And, 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 and recognizing what my skills, my abilities, my passions, and my desires are, to help build community. Because uh, I can tell you, when I look at the past four years of my life since I've retired from the Army, it has absolutely been an evolution where I've had to really figure out a brand, step into a brand, and, and, and it wasn't until that kind of happened am I even able to feel like I'd be part of, of building community. I like to think that I'm 
actively building community now, right? Um, so, hey, you know, anybody listening, uh, continue to give it a shot and it'll happen. For sure. I think might be a little bit of what we're both sharing in this moment. Mm-hmm. So thank you for those reflections on the habits that are important to you and that you kind of are intentional with as you go through your day and know that if you're doing these things, you do feel like you're hitting on all cylinders and performing at, at a high level. Um, I want to talk about management for a moment. Um, and I, I talked about this a lot in a lot of previous episodes, but I haven't revisited it in quite some time. So I, I just want to step into a little bit of my soapbox. I hear people talk about leadership and management all the time, whether it's an article that's published or, or I hear someone speaking and I differentiate these very specifically in uh, I would consider leadership to have really nothing to do with title or position and simply your ability to be an effective positive influence. I, I consider saying you're my leader to be a term of endearment and, and kind of the walks that I walk through um, as opposed to if I'm calling some of my boss, I may not feel like that person's an effective positive influence. This is me speaking, right? And so... Mm-hmm. I see management very different, right? So, uh, meaning that I think management is an authoritative type of position where I'm managing people, I'm responsible for the supervision of projects or people in order to accomplish tasks, missions, and assignments. And so, that's that's me, right? But this show is about you, um, and I'd love to hear <laughs> your perspective. I mean, with your work, you clearly are, are swimming in circles with people that meet my definition for management. Now, we'd like to hope, mm-hmm. I'd like to hope that you'd also assess them to be leaders. So not only are they doing this work, but they're an effective positive influence as they go through it, i.e. my kind of definition for leadership. So with that all kind of introduced or some backdrop or some context, Maura, um, mm-hmm. when you consider management and, and, and the role of a manager, you know, what What does someone need to do from a habit perspective or just the way in which they manage to be really effective, in your opinion? So I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. I mean, this takes me back to just 25 years in corporate America where I, you know, we've all had bosses and we're, I think, all shaped by not not the managers we had that were really positive, but the managers that we had that were, we just, we could all term as like the worst managers ever. Right. And I was a manager. So I'm sure for some of the people that I managed, I was a great manager, hopefully. And I was the worst manager for them too. So I I love this question. I I have three, I have literally on my paper here, I have, uh, it's filled, but I'm going to (laughs) concentrate on three things. I'm going to concentrate on three things. Uh, managers, you, you must be grounded in a philosophy. You, you must have a philosophy of how you are going to manage or lead. Uh, to me, you know, if, if, you're, if you are going to be in front of the people, you have to have your own philosophy of how you're going to do that. Critical number one, hands down. Your team has nowhere to look but up. So you have to be able to walk your talk. Critical number one. Number two, um, I do not believe in time management. I think that is a big bunch of BS. I think it's, there's only a finite amount of time that we have every week. So decision management, not time management. How do you decide to spend your time? So you have to be very grounded in understanding how to make decisions. And then the third thing, well, two other things, is very well versed in relationship acumen, understanding the dynamics of relationships. And then the fourth thing is leading, not doing. Grow your leaders. Grow your leaders. Do not do the job for them. Grow them. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right. I love it. So um, when, when you reflect on 25 years of, of managing or being <laughs> around managers, right? Uh, four mm-hmm. things. For you. Uh, a, a manager that performs at a high level has got to be grounded in a philosophy. They have to practice what you call decision management. They have to have relationship 
kind of skills. I don't know if that's emotional intelligence for you or if that's something that is that plus more, but it seems to be a word that's talked about a lot these days, emotional intelligence. Um, I'd be curious for you to comment on that if you have any thoughts. And then number four, uh, leading, not doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the relationship acumen dynamics, it's emotional intelligence, it's social intelligence. I mean, it's, it, it's all of that stuff rolled up. It's conversational intelligence, leadership intelligence. It's, it's, it's showing up at work knowing that not everybody thinks like you. It's showing up at work and knowing that you're not the only person at work. It's, you know, being empathetic. It's all of that stuff. Sure, sure. Love it. Uh, I think these things are really interesting. Um, you know, is there ever a way that, that, that people come to you and you naturally are trying to look at Hmm. Maybe this person um, has a gap in one of these three areas. Uh, is that ever part of kind of your approach to how you serve? Yes. Yes, hundred percent. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think I don't think as coaches we would have jobs if somebody showed up and had all of this stuff. I think um, while I like to work with performers who are well-versed in all of these areas and want to do better. I mean, I have my own coach because I'm not showing up a hundred percent in any of these areas, a hundred percent every day. So I think these are opportunities for us as coaches with each of our clients every day. Awesome. So I would just then, you know, challenge anyone listening that if, if either of these areas are resonating with you at all, um, here's a great person to maybe consider, chatting with about how to build these things out, build these competencies out in, in yourself. Um, hey, give, give more a shot. Give, give, give her a call. Maybe she can be helpful. Um, so thank you so much for kind of just sharing some insight. And, and I know you said you had multiple pages of content here. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I don't want to move on from this unless there's anything else that you'd want to comment on this moment. And I don't necessarily have a question there. I just want to well, give I do, I do have yeah, I do have one distinction I would like to make, Court, and that's um, I I make a distinction in my business around being helpful being versus being useful. And this is just something that struck with me, I, I think from just a very young age, is that when people in my life have tried to be helpful, I personally found that very disempowering. Mm. I personally felt that when someone was trying to be helpful, they were trying to... Um, not work with me, but do my work. And so what I have found was beneficial to me in my personal development and my growth was uh, when I was in a position to lead and to grow, uh, my team was to find ways to be useful. And that to me looks like let's find um, options and choices. And so that whatever you decide to do with whatever our work is together it's not me um, being helpful in terms of me telling you what to do. Let's just throw some ideas around and it's up to you to take whatever you want from the conversation and then apply that however you want or if you want to apply something. So in my work, I prefer to approach our work together as uh, as as I as I walk with you that our work together is one of being my, my role is being useful to you, not being helpful. And I, I just like to throw that out there. I don't know if that resonates with anybody, but um, that's important to me to make that, that distinction. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for sharing. I think it does resonate, resonates for me. And I like this idea that um, for me, it's a little bit of this call out that, you know, you actually have to take the action. Um, you know, I can be useful in that way. Um, you know, but uh, fr from the way you define helpful, uh, I'm not necessarily telling you all these things to do. So for me, it seems uh, that I think very, you know, effective way to characterize um, how you see your fit into the way you serve there as an executive coach, or maybe even as a consultant in some of the work that you do. So um, I think I got two more questions for you here, young lady. And I think uh, 
the first one I kind of want to just talk about because as you characterize the way that you help people uh, in your executive coaching business, meaning it's, it's more than one people involved in most cases is what gets you out of the bed in the morning. You know, two owners, a group of owners, a family-run business, helping them solve those problems. We're talking about the collective in this moment, right? Anytime it's more than yeah. one person involved, for me, you got a team, right? Two-man team's yeah. a team, right? Or you got 12. And so really interesting uh, to hear from you. Um, you know, when you look at a collective group of people that want to perform at a high level, the team, we'll call it, Yes. what has to happen there for them to be successful? What's foundational maybe, uh, Maura, for you yes. to a high-performing team? Psychological safety, which is trust, another a fancy word to say trust, where the team members feel safe to take risks and know that that's going to be okay for everyone. Uh, they must, 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 must know how to communicate. Uh, I'm a firm believer in candor with deep care. They have to have clear roles. They have to understand that there's a structure that works. They must have meaning and, and have a structure around the meaning, meaning that the work is personally important, their work, each member, their work is personally important. They have to understand that their work matters and that they understand how their individual work impacts and fits into the overall work of the team and the organization. And most importantly, they have to have fun. They have to know how to have fun. <laughs> so I hear more and more people without, talking about fun, and I love it. It makes me chuckle. I, I think sometimes I miss that, I think. Um, but you're right. It's got to feel good. It's got to be fun. Uh, I interrupted you. Yeah. Please continue. That's it. That's it. So trust, communication, which is candor, structure, clear roles, and this, this meaning understanding that their work matters, that they understand how their work fits into the team and the organization and you know, ha have some fun while they're doing it. That's that in my book is the recipe for success. All right. So one curiosity, uh, I think I first saw the word psychological safety from, um, Oh man, I'm Amy Edmondson and Amy Edmondson and Google, a Google study. Yeah. Yeah. I can't claim that I'm that bright. It wasn't her. It was uh, someone from my, my coaching faculty, to be honest, at uh, okay. at George George Mason University. And I, I am blanking on her last name. Uh, her first name is Penny. Um, I don't know. At any rate. Uh, Penny Potter? Yeah, bam. There you go. Penny Potter. Look at you. You're always there for me, girl. <laughs> always there. Absolutely, it was Penny <laughs> Potter. Um, and and I, I, I mean... How does that happen, right? Because, and, and so, you know, this, don't know if you want to go here with me in this conversation, but I'd love for you to, if, if you had anything you wanted to kind of just talk about here in this moment. But I can tell you that in the business world, when folks that I've served, for example, when a team is growing, meaning, you know, we're hiring new people, psychological safety, they want it to happen fast. Because once that can happen, in my opinion, you can move with speed, right? And the business can do things really well at a high level, is there a way to be intentional here? Like, how do, how do you build such a lot psychological safety? Can it happen fast? Uh, is that to be slow and deliberate? Any thoughts maybe you could share more in and around that competency for teams? If you want right. to. If not, please say, hey, yeah. Court, not interested in kind well, of going. Well, yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm not an expert in it, but what, here's what I know about it, is that psychological safety can, in fact, become part of your culture. So that means... It, it, it is a slow, de deliberate um, process to get started. But once it becomes indoctrinated in your culture, it, it is something that doesn't need um, a, a huge amount of time. So if, you, if it's intact in a team, then when the new members come on board on into the team, it, it, do, it doesn't take a long time to, to build because it, it's already there. But to start it, 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 it does take time to build. So team members feeling safe to take risks and be vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, everybody has to get there and not everybody gets there at the same time. It's not like you can tell everybody, okay, all of a sudden today, you have to feel comfortable with each other to take risks. It, it, it is a process. 
So that that's, you have to start at some point and you have to let everybody get there. Yeah. So it, it is, it is the process. Yeah. yeah so if I, think I answered it, your question. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just think it was just less of a question and more of just, you know, maybe, maybe how do you do that? What have you seen? Can, can, you know, expectation management around this, can it happen fast? I think what you're telling me here is in your experience, it takes time court it's slow and it has to be a fabric of the organization. And, and when I say fabric of the organization, I'm talking about culture there. Um, yeah. So appreciate you sharing it um, and, and kind of just talking about that for a moment with us. Um, I think I just got one more question for you uh, here today. And that's really, you know, what can we expect from you uh, on, on career number six? Like, I'm, I'm not sure I'm <laughs> that we're, we're fifth and final here. <laughs> All joking aside, I mean, what's next for you, Maura? You know, I, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, with everything that's going on right now in the world, I'm, I'm truly convinced that when things start to slow down or go back to normal, I, we're not going back to the work we left, and we're not going back to the work who we were. So I think there's some really good work to be done there, and I, I'm not exactly sure what that looks like, but I'm 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 being very intentional and deliberate about giving that a lot of thought. So who do I, who am I going to be as, you know, Mara as a coach um, in six or eight months? This is, this situation has definitely caused me to pause and reflect on who I am and the kind of work that I want to do. And um, a lot of my clients have shut down their businesses temporarily and they are struggling and they're Mm. not going to go back to the businesses that they've left. So I think this is a good opportunity to really pause and figure out what does the world need of me? And I, I'm just not sure, but it will definitely be coaching. Uh, it might be coaching plus plus. I'm just not <laughs> sure. So I would say stay tuned. And if I can be of any assistance to anybody listening, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to have a conversation. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you know, I, I would I would not feel good about myself if in this moment I wouldn't say, hey, you know, kind of heart goes out to, prayer goes out to people that like your clients, Maura, that have been significantly disrupted by what's going on and have had just their way of life really changed. Um, so, hey, I'm thinking about you. Folks are thinking about Thank you. you. Um, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I think the other thing I'm hearing is just that, you know, like, like a seasoned coach, right? You're open to with a journey, right? And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, for me, it's, it's, it's a constant state of transition, this game called life. And I think you're calling out on what can I learn from it? And you will learn something and it's going to inform what you do next. So thank you so much for just giving that to us, sharing that with us. I um, think that's a wrap on the show. And uh, well, thank you, sir. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, as we do close out here together, there's only one way to do it on High Performance Pathways, and it's with our High Performance Break It On Down. And the way we do that is, yeah, exactly. I'm already, you're already laughing. I love it. Because you're like, I'm, I know what is about to happen here, Court. And uh, so it, really pretty simple, right? Um, I'm going to speak the words break down on three. Then I'll count one, two, three, because I'm going to do a great job of walking you through this. And then when you hear the word three, please in your own way, more give us three claps, followed by the spoken words, boom, shakalaka. And then the invitation is open for you to add anything to that, although nothing's required, and then we'll kind of close out here together. Any questions? Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> yeah, you are. All right. Um, <laughs> Thanks so much for being with us today, Mrs. Moore Fredericks, and kind of just conversation in and around your experience and how you serve as a coach and your commitment to help people really seek and perform at high levels in their own work. So please break us on out and into our day with this breakdown. Breakdown on three. One, two, three. Boom, shaka, laka, laka, shaka, boom. Thanks, Court. Really appreciate it. And I just think this is such a time of opportunity. And if I can be of service to anybody listening, don't hesitate to reach out and build that community. And I'm so glad to be a part of yours. Thank you very much.
Absolutely. That was the remix, y'all. First heard here on the show. Boom, shaka, laka, laka, shaka, boom. That might stick. I got to tell you <laughs> something. <laughs> Thanks so much, Maura. Hey, for everyone listening to connect with Maura, go to her website, right? And it's pretty simple, maurafredericks.com. And that's spelled M-A-U-R-A. F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C-K-S dot com. Or you can find her on LinkedIn at Maura Fredericks, comma, M-A, comma, P-C-C. And I'll have all this information hung on the information content with this show uh, when it gets out there to you so you can find it and get to it. Now, my challenge that I leave with you every time as we break this show out, consider what this incredible guest shared with you. Allow it to sink in and inspire you to chase high performance in your own life. Bye, y'all. See you soon.